1: What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State, and I'm your host, Josh Rayley. We've got a fantastic episode for you today. I had a chance to catch up with my buddy Pierce Nellis, which, as many of you know, if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, Pierce is a fly fishing guide. He's the head guide for Good Chance Fly Fishing. And as we were recording this episode, the Inland Waters Trout Opener, was right around the corner and I have it on good authority that Pierce had an absolute heck of an opening weekend. I was getting pictures of fish all weekend long so I know he had a good time with that but in this episode we're going to talk about fly fishing for winter trout. That's not something I hear talked about a whole lot in sort of mainstream Wisconsin circles. I hear a lot about ice fishing this time of year. I hear a lot about whitetail scouting and maybe even some late season hunting and that kind of thing this time of year. I hear a lot about getting ready for turkeys, uh, but I don't hear a lot of guys talking about fly fishing for trout. So uh, Pierce kind of gives us the rundown. He talks to us about what the bugs are doing this time of year, talks to us about what the fish are doing this time of year, and gives us some tips for, hey, if you want to get out and give this thing a shot, here's what you should do, not only to uh, actually get on fish, but to make the cold weather suck a little bit less couple of updates from me. As you're listening to this episode, I'm getting ready to head out to Indianapolis tomorrow to uh, go to ATA this year. So if there's anything uh, that you are looking forward to at ATA, any uh, products that you have been looking forward to seeing, any specific people you'd like me to try to catch up with, to chat with, to hear a little bit about uh, their brand, their company, their hunting season, whatever it may be, go ahead and reach out to me on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman and let me know because I'm going to be there Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, catching up with as many people from the industry as I can to hear not only about people's season and how they went, but also about the new products that are going to be coming out this upcoming season. (sighs) But also about the new products that are going to be coming out for the 2023 season. So I am jacked for that. This is my first time ever going to ATA, and I'm not going by myself. The Emperor, Dan Johnson is going to be there. Uh, The guys from the O2 podcast are going to be there, I believe. Dan Matthews from the Nomadic Outdoorsman is going to be there. A couple guys from Missouri Woods and Water. Nate and Micah are going to be there. So, um... Marcus Ewing is going to be there from the Michigan Wild podcast and the Average Conservationist podcast. So, man, this is going to be an awesome time. It's not very often that I get to hang out with Sportsman's Empire folk in person. So this is going to be a great couple of days. Really, really looking forward to that. And speaking of products and new things coming out this year, I do want to just say a quick thanks to our partners. First of all, Tacticam, they're the title sponsor of this show. They've been with me since the beginning. I'm so appreciative for Tacticam not only for their support of the show and their believing in what we're doing here at the Wisconsin Sportsman podcast and also the How to Hunt Deer podcast, but man, their products are fantastic. Their new 6.0 camera gives you 4K, 60 frame per second footage. It's a waterproof camera. You don't have to worry about taking it out into the elements. Their mounts and adapters are awesome. So uh, if you've had other types of cameras like GoPros and that kind of thing in the past, you know it just sucks to put those on your gun. Like they're just not easy. The mounts and adapters that you can get for them They're just not built well, right? They fall apart. They break. All kinds of problems and issues that I've had with those. But since switching to Tacticam, I've not had a single issue. And, uh, man, that new 6.0 camera is sweet. It's even got a touchscreen on there where you can uh, not only control the camera a little bit easier, but you can also go back and watch your shot. If you want to learn more about the 6.0 camera or the Solo Extreme camera, which is kind of their budget model for this year, you can go to their website, Tacticam.com. And next up, Huntworth. We are in the middle of the late season uh, here, where I'm actually living in Georgia. Season ended yesterday. I know uh, seasons are starting to wrap up around Wisconsin. Some places go until the end of the month. And if man, if you're still out there grinding, then uh, it's a good time to do it. The weather hasn't been too bad. I've been watching, you know, right around some of my old stomping grounds. It looks like there's not too much snow on the ground and not a lot of bitter cold weather. So. You know, pretty nice time to get out there and maybe fill the freezer if you haven't done so yet. And if you're trying to get out in the late season, you need to check out Huntworth's heat boost gear. Now, earlier in the year, I was wearing the Saskatoon pants, jacket, and vest. You might want something a little bit warmer for this time of year, but let me tell you, I was able to get down into the upper teens with that heat boost gear and be really, really comfortable. So I believe if I had layered a little bit more, I could really drive that down into some really cold temps. While you're at it checking out their stuff, you also should look at their backpacks. Guys, I've been using their packs this year, and they're awesome. They carry pretty much everything I need. Their hickory pack uh, is the bigger option, and, uh, man, it's great. This time of year, you're wanting to get out into the woods, but you don't want to wear all your stuff in because you're going to be drenched in sweat by the time you get there. Uh, You want to get to the stand and then put your stuff on so that you can stay warm while you're there. The hickory pack has got you covered. You can go check out all their stuff at huntworthgear.com. That's it for the commercials. Now, if you would, please go and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get it. If you can leave us a written review on there, that would be even better. And like I said, follow along with us on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman. That's the best way to get a hold of me. If you want to suggest topics, if you want to suggest uh, guests that I should have on, if you want to tell me some stuff that you want to see from ATA because I'm not going to be able to see it all, there just will not be enough time. And I want to spend my time bringing you the content, showing you the products that you want to see from ATA. So reach out to me on there. Let me know what you want to see. I'll be trying to keep my Instagram story pretty active while I'm at ATA. Now let's get to the episode talking winter fly fishing for trout with Pierce Nellis. All right. Joining me for this week's episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is my buddy, Pierce Nellis. Pierce, welcome back to the show.
0: Thank you. Long time no talk, buddy.
1: Yeah, man. We uh, just got done recording an episode for the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which We'll probably go live the same week this one does. I'm not positive yet on how I want to release Mm -hmm. that. I kind of took a little bit of a break, man. I I haven't done a lot on social media. Uh, I took last week off. I didn't drop an episode at all. Took time off work. So I work with the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network, uh, do some contract work for them, and took off from that as well. Just kind of totally stepping back Mm -hmm. and away from the podcast thing. Uh, for just a little bit, because i I stepped back and realized like, man, I haven't taken since I jumped in, you know and quit my day job, uh however many months ago that was and started doing this full time <laughs> i I haven't taken any time off, like there has not been a a day even that i have that I've right. taken off, you know, and uh even uploading other people's shows and that kind of thing for the network. um, so I just need a little space, man, need a little bit of time. And Absolutely. If you're gonna do it, this is the time to do it because um, you know, things are kind of winding down. Uh even in the fishing world. I, I know, I know everybody out there who ice fishes is gonna be like, no, it's just now the best time. Um <laughs> and that's fine, but I just have a I don't know, I've never ice fished before. And so um, you know, I had a guy on a couple of weeks ago to talk ice fishing and dude was super knowledgeable. Uh his name was Sean mm-hmm. Stralo. And the dude knows his stuff, super passionate about ice fishing. And I didn't even know the right questions to ask him hardly. Like, uh, so, you you catch fish and pull them through the ice, eh? You know, that was was kind of like (laughs) my line of questioning. Uh, Tip-ups, all right. Yeah, yeah. But, dude, he did a fantastic job, like, walking me through not only beginner-level stuff, but also, like, Mm off-air we talked for a while about, like, how in-depth you can get with a lot of your electronics and equipment and uh, all of that. So, anyway, it was really good. But, man, we're talking today – about winter fly fishing for trout. and Yes, sir. uh, Man, I I got on earlier to look at some of my show specs, and, you know, we cover a lot of topics on the Wisconsin Sportsman. We talk about turkeys. We talk about deer. We talk about pheasants. We've talked about uh, duck hunting. We've talked all kinds of stuff. And to this day, uh, actually, it's currently tied for number one for number of downloads per episode, the highest – downloaded show is the first one that we ever did about fly fishing, the Wisconsin driftless. Like well, I, um, I would have never thought that that would be the, the thing that a lot of people were, were tuning into. I mean, you're a great guest and all, but like, I didn't think fly fishing would I, get that many people's attention.
0: No, neither did I, man. I, I was befuddled when you uh, informed me of that as well. I feel I feel, feel a little pressure now, geez.
1: <laughs> well, so I, I wanted to bring that I'm up. Glad people, so i folks
0: want to learn. But. Yeah,
1: I, I checked the stats right before this show, and, and it's, it's actually tied. It literally has the same down to the number of downloads. So, uh, I mean, I guess you could probably go listen to it a couple of times tonight and maybe. <laughs> I was gonna
0: say, yeah, everybody go re-listen to that yeah, one. Yeah, go <laughs>
1: listen. But, but for real, if you're interested in fly fishing the Driftless, that was an excellent introduction. Like, it was really, mm-hmm. really good. Uh, and Thank we talked a little bit about your guiding and since then we've had the opportunity to fish together and I got to witness not only, you know, true driftless fly fishing, but your guiding skills, which, you know, f- was phenomenal. We had an awesome trip. Granted, we were both pretty worn out from turkey hunting that morning and getting, <laughs> getting it handed to us repeatedly by multiple birds. Uh, or oh, may, yeah. maybe the same bird, who knows, man, may have been the same one just toying with us all day. <clears throat>
0: meets that got to me man but yeah we, we got to get out for uh for a full day I felt like our time was cut short that afternoon because uh, I think we, we didn't I don't think we left gyms until what like 4.30 or five o'clock by the time we got changed and everything and yeah yeah <laughs> all that so we need to we need to plan a proper trip this spring when you're up to turkey hunting. we'll we'll get after it
1: yeah I was I was talking to my wife and and uh I think she thought that I was gonna be the lack of communication on my part right I think she thought I was gonna be home at like One or two that afternoon. (laughs) And so, when at one or two, when I informed her that we were still turkey hunting, and then, you know, at six o'clock when I called her, we were basically headed for the trout stream. And she thought that I was calling to tell her I was on my way home then. And I'm like, no, we're just now going fishing. Sorry. Uh, so anyway, that was a pretty wild ride. But man, we're gonna talk not just the fly fishing. Triple
0: crown waits for no one. It's, that, that's right. It's a dude. demanding feat. That's it right. Really is.
1: That's right. And <laughs> I need to kill one kill a turkey fast. I got I got season A. So all you folks out there mm-hmm. listening, I hope you got your stuff in. Pierce did not. Uh, but I hope you <laughs> I hope you all drew the season you were hoping to get. I got season A, which I love season A because I just love hunting hunting flocked up turkeys and uh, seeing how they respond to decoys that time of year. Um, I have a lot of confidence in season a, uh, mostly because of one of the properties that I hunt is, is just, it's dynamite that time of year and, uh, always has big winter flocks, you know, 40, 50 birds. Uh, you know, I watch them throughout March typically and have a pretty good idea of what they're doing come, come opening day. Uh, Anyway, so hopefully I'll be able to get up, kill a turkey early, and we can get out and do some fly fishing while I'm up there. Um, Absolutely. But today we're talking winter fly fishing, which is something yes, that I have not ever done. And <clears throat> honestly, it's not something that I've ever, that I've ever been like, hmm, I can't wait to get out in the ice and snow and sling a <laughs> fly around. So um,
0: Nothing sounds more fun than 26 degrees and some wet hands.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and then when I, (laughs) I see like musky guys posting, like, you know, frozen up rods and just all kinds Mm -hmm. of stuff. And I'm like, no, that just looks, that looks terrible. So I've got to lead with this Pierce. (laughs) Is it worth it? Like is fly fishing for trout in the winter worth it?
0: I think absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's the kind of thing you got to pay attention to your, uh, pay attention to the weather. Um, I think knowing your water is helpful. Um, and really focus on maximizing your time winter is not the time to be going you know for an all-day trip um, you'll find yourself worn out and very cold and pretty frustrated uh, by about nine o'clock if you're out there at sunrise um, <clears throat> yeah so, so I guess I'll, I'll start there so winter trout fishing where the key is I guess for finding hungry trout or, you know, being able to catch trout that are feeding um, they're really going to be keying in and their metabolism, you know, cause they're cold blooded fish. Um, it's going to start to ramp up as the water temperature increases. So you want to carry your thermometer with you at all times, uh, you know, in general, but also winter fishing, it, it comes in very handy. Um, pretty much anytime water is below 40 degrees, you're, you're going to have a, tough time moving fish you just are because they're at that point they are really really lethargic they are hunkered down they're just trying to conserve as much energy as possible um, however if you can get you know something you know say even it's if it's 41 and you get maybe a three degree increase throughout the day um, you know that that's enough to to switch on the bite typically and you know there's you know, it's the Midwest winter, so it's kind of unpredictable. We'll have some days where it's, you know, 40 or 50 degrees in January or February, and then it'll dump six inches of snow three days later. And it's just <laughs> kind of all over the place. Um, but, you know, fishing, rising water temps, um, a good rule of thumb for winter fishing around the Midwest um, at least for trout is uh, you know, you want to kind of concentrate your efforts between 10 AM and 2 PM uh, the warmest parts of the day. Typically, after 2 PM um, the temperatures are, you know, it might sustain a little bit further in, you know, three, three thirty. but even on those cold days, what will end up happening is, especially if it's sunny um, we'll end up having a little bit of a snow melt. And so that'll trickle its way back down into the creeks um, and start to cool off the water. So uh, once that temperature starts to dip again, um, you know, maybe give it another half hour um, of, of going at it, but other than that, here, uh, for the most part, your your day is probably going to be much slower if you continue yeah. as the temperatures start to decrease. So, yeah. really keen in on that rising temp and uh, or rising water temps, and also just warmest parts of the day mm-hmm. going to be a good rule of thumb.
1: So, are are the fish? You know, what's going on in the fish world that time of year? Like, are they, I mean, they're obviously it's past any kind of spawning or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, are they trying, like when the waters do warm up, are they trying to really pack on the, the pounds? Like, are they eating heavily or is it just kind of like, man, we're really waiting for spring?
0: Well, so it... it it can depend, you know, <laughs> like, uh, throughout this whole thing, I'm probably going to say it depends quite a bit. Um, but just, it, say, uh, hold it, on, hold it, on. It, we'll
1: just say it depends. And I'll, I'll go ahead and end it. We'll be done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions you have? It depends. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so there, you know, the, our, so we've got native brook trout, um, and then wild brown trout in Wisconsin. And there's some stocked rainbows. Uh, though, Brookies and Browns, they'll spawn um, in the fall, which is why we shut down the, the trout season uh, in mid-October through the, this first Saturday um, you know while we're recording this uh, on January 5th. So Saturday is our uh, opening day here in Wisconsin. By the time you're listening to this, uh, it will have passed and the season will be open. So get out and enjoy it. But, um, so
1: why do they keep it closed for, for as long as they do? So they close it in the fall for, for spawning. Like, mm-hmm. and then they keep it closed for a while. Is that, what, it, what does that help?
0: Uh, I think the, the, the spawn kind of, I mean, it. it there's sort of a, a trickle, you know, it's not all concentrated into okay. just one, uh, specific. Yeah. You know, it's not like the rut, I That's guess. There's, there's, there's no like trout rut. Is that what you're saying? No trout rut. <laughs> There's no, there's no brook trout rut, no, unfortunately not. that'd be <laughs> sweet. <laughs> can you imagine pulling
1: up some of the something with antlers and a swollen
0: neck? Oh my god! Well, I mean that's that's the thing though. They'll they'll get their uh, their spawning colors and all that, which is always fun. I love fall fishing that last week and you know, weeks leading up to the to the season close and everything for that reason. As you know, most of those fish are starting to get their spawning colors, and you can get some really really colored up fish, which nice. is which is super fun. Um, but yeah, so they shut it down. So basically the, those trout can, uh, you know, carry out their, their spawn unmolested by human contact. So what they'll do is they, um, <clears throat> I think I go in in depth a little further, maybe in our, uh, previous episode, but basically what they do is, you know, they'll create, most of us are familiar with uh, the big crater shape. that look like moon landing, you know, craters, um, in shallow bays and stuff where you see largemouth and bluegills and stuff do their spawning. Um trout make their beds are called reds, um, where basically they'll go into a, a kind of shallow, gravelly spot and they'll take their tail and they'll basically kind of sweep it and blow all the silt away so they've got this nice, pristine, clean gravel uh section that can, you know, it's typically a couple yards, you know, maybe maybe like one to two yards, maybe three um in size, uh typically smaller than that, especially on our smaller creeks, um, couple feet wide, but you can spot it from a long ways off because you'll be walking along and all of a sudden you'll see this big white spot in the bottom of the creek. And you'd be like, what the heck is that? Um that you know if you're out hiking along the creek and just, you know, happening to look at stuff, that's basically a, a trout bed. Um and so when that happens, they're super susceptible, like folks who uh, um, you know, obviously don't recommend it. But the folks who do, you know, throw stuff over those bluegill and bass beds to catch those super aggressive um, territorial and protective fish, uh, it's, um, you know, trout do the same thing. They're very, very aggressive at that point, trying to defend their their reds and run off any other uh, fish that are maybe attempting to either, you know, breed with the female that's on the bed um, or do anything with those eggs or anything like that uh, it's it's a great time to catch a, a monster trout because you know a lot of times those big angry males will be up there protecting the um, you know the red and you can draw them off there just dragging a streamer or, you know whatever I'm not going <laughs> to I don't want to give anyone any ideas by going too in depth of what you can do, but you know, thing, you know, basically anything intrusive you can think of um, odds are, you know, that fish is going to be protective of, of his, his red and he'll be running those fish off. And so basically they shut down the the season to let the fish do their thing without having, you know, streamers and spinners and whatnot thrown at them and drag them off the, the reds. And then they're, the eggs and the nest and everything is exposed. The fry are susceptible to getting eaten by other fish and all that. Um, and then also just for the protection of them. So we don't have somebody, you know, waiting who's, you know, may or may not be aware of um, what the reds are, who happened to just walk up on it and, you know, they're like, Oh, this is cool. Like, why is this, you know, patch cleaned off or whatever. And then happen to walk right through it and, mm. you know, do A bunch of damage that way, so we shut it down, um, just to let everything carry out its course. And then, uh, by first week of January, things are all done and we're ready to resume. You know, the fish have rested up, they've kind of recovered and recuperated from their uh spawning season, and they're able to now <laughs> essentially hibernate for the winter. Um, so yeah, so, so they're not necessarily gorging, you know, they're, they're cold water species and so they like I said they kind of their metabolism their activity level fluctuates with the water temperature and so a lot of times when it's super super cold these fish are going to be holding tight um, and pretty much what they'll do in our creeks is basically kind of congregate into a select few deep whether it be bend pools or runs or glides or whatever but they're just trying to get into deeper water where they're protected um, the water's a little bit warmer <clears throat> in those deeper holes, and then uh, that, you know, they try and stay as far below the current as possible or, you know, sheltered from it um, just so that they can conserve energy essentially. So, what they'll do is they'll actually take their pectoral fins and angle them downwards, uh, kind of like an airplane wing, and then let the current basically push them down against the bottom of the creek, and they'll actually rest that way so that they're not. Uh, you know, actively swimming and, you know, cons- you know, basically consuming calories by just trying to stay in one place, they angle down. So they let the current kind of pin them down. Um, and so they're, you know, it's not that they, that they won't feed. Cause obviously when it, the opportunity presents itself uh, they, they go for it readily. And so um, when we talk, winter food sources. Obviously we're, we are well past the, uh, big juicy grasshopper season. We are not having, uh, you know, big terrestrials or crazy, you know, caddis and mayfly hatches or anything going on. Um, however, we do still have hatches in the winter, which is something that a lot of folks kind of are surprised by, but, um, in the winter, basically our, our food sources, well, I guess I'll start with the hatches. Um, It it is possible in the winter to be out on a, you know, 20 some degree day when it's sunny and see trout rising to bugs on the surface. Um, So, yep. Oh yeah.
1: So what what would that be? Would that be like some just bluing olives coming off? uh,
0: So on a a colder day like that, probably not. But on, you know, say you get a 40 some degree day or maybe it, it creeps up, into the fifties even, um, you know, we, we might see a small uh, blue winged olive hatch. Uh, otherwise one of the, basically our, our year round food sources uh, for, for trout are midges and scuds. Scuds are a freshwater shrimp, so they don't hatch per se. Um, however, they're readily available um, and midges hatch year round. Um, you know, it's obviously a little bit slower when it gets really, really cold. However, those bugs are coming off at all times. They're super, super, super tiny. Um, so you're definitely going to be throwing, you know, size twenties and 22, uh, you know, real, real tiny midge patterns, zebra midges, and it can be a range of colors. Um, you know, whether it be, you know, black with, a you know, a silver wire is typically the the kind of go-to but you know just natural colors black olive gray um that kind of stuff or even um like a pink or a red um they'll turn that color when they're uh, dying basically and so basically the the trout can key in on those as well sometimes um and then yeah so we'll get we'll get a midge hatch um every now and again if you do see fish rising you know they're typically going to be kind of rising in a slower kind of a Glidy, um, you know, basically smoother water where they're not going to be where the current's just ripping. Uh, cause again, they're trying to conserve energy and basically maximize their, their calories. But, uh, what happens when those midges do hatch is basically what they'll do is they'll oftentimes they kind of cluster up and basically, um, you know, they, they look like a little, I don't know how to describe it. Basically just a little tiny ball. Um, of bugs on the surface and so uh you know a lot, a lot of times we'll we'll talk about it in terms of like you know if you're eating popcorn you can eat you know popcorn one piece at a time however your caloric intake isn't going to be as great as if you grab a handful and shove it in your mouth so um you know the same principle applies for trout you know when they see those clustered up midges um that's that's a, a really really good way to uh get a trout to come up and sip one off the surface. And oftentimes, you know, bigger fish will go out of their way to do so, because again, it's a little bit more of a calorie dense meal uh, with those midges. And so, you know, you can, you can throw, um, you know, a Griffith's gnat is a great imitation for those things. Um, You you can tie or buy a little uh, tiny black midge cluster flies. Again, you got it. you know, that's going to be real, real tiny stuff. Um, You know, you probably, you're, 20s or 22s so again you're i shouldn't say again because i didn't mention that yet but um you know tippet size does come into play in the winter the water is typically super super clear and oftentimes low um just because you know we're not getting rain you know right now we've got i guess this week we had quite a bit of runoff just with the weird rain and uh snow melt that we had with just some kind of 34 degree just crappy days um that have kind of muddied some of the creeks in our area um but basically when you're when you are in that the clear shallower uh winter conditions uh throwing these tiny tiny flies you're going to want to downsize that tip to i mean 5x at most maybe even 6x um if you're really going for it um especially for the dry flies just because that's going to one, it's not going to look like your fly is being dragged around by a piece of rope, and it's going to actually allow it to kind of swirl and twist and do its thing and move in a natural fashion, rather than looking like it's just <laughs> totally static, you know, being pushed down the creek. Um, with your with your nymphs, um, you can go a little bit larger um, in the in the tippet department. You know, for midges, I would still keep it five x, but maybe go a five x fluoro, um, just because it's it's more abrasion resistant it's more dense than nylon and so it'll actually kind of cut through the the water column and sink that much quicker than nylon does um, and so that's a, a great option for any i mean really any subsurface fishing um, on top of it it's a little bit less visible than uh, you know your normal nylon tippet or anything like that so um, <clears throat> i guess I can, I can get to rigging uh, a little bit later but so we got our, our our scuds and our midges and then we'll also get a tiny black stonefly hatch um okay. which is kind of interesting so midges are an aquatic insect so basically they, they have a larva form and then they crawl around on the rocks and then they hatch and where you know, go through their emerging process where basically they go from the bottom of the creek and they swim up towards the surface and as they do that they're shedding their little exoskeleton um and basically letting their wings kind of come out, they reach the surface. Hopefully they punch through the surface so that they can actually uh you know, fly away and do their thing. And then they'll buzz around a little bit. They'll do their breeding and then they go back down to the surface and drop their eggs and so on and so forth. Stoneflies, however, do not hatch in a swimming form. They're they're still um, you know, they're little nymphs and they'll crawl around on the rocks and the, you know, the bottoms of the Creek, but rather than swimming up to the surface, what they'll actually do is they crawl up the bank and get up onto the stones or the, you know, logs or whatever. For those of you who are, you know, from maybe have some experience out West, um, you know, on a salmon fly hatch or even uh, some of the bigger stone fly patterns over in or stone fly hatches over in Michigan. um, It's not uncommon to see, you know, big, you know, inch long exoskeletons of these things where they cracked out um stuck to you know trees and all over the banks and stuff like that ours are a little too tiny to see that here in the driftless region unfortunately um it'd be pretty sweet if we could but um i'm sure if you looked hard enough i guess but yeah so they they will crawl up onto the bank and then they carry out their breeding process or they mate, fly around and then drop back down to the surface but um So you can imitate them with, uh, I mean, again, a tiny, tiny, you know, probably size 20 um, or 22 little, basically an all black, uh, you know, pheasant tail pattern or any sort of uh, um, nymphy looking thing, but it's just keeping it black and really tiny. Um, But it is kind of cool in the winter because all of a sudden, you know, especially on sunnier days and stuff when we've got snow on the banks and all that, you can see it kind of looks like somebody, you know, took like a pinch of pepper and you know threw it out on the snow because you'll see these little black specks crawling all over the snow and you're like what the heck you can look a little closer and see these stone flies crawling around which is pretty neat yeah
1: just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the wisconsin sportsman podcast is brought to you by tacticamp makers of the best point-of-view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that is a total game-changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with a sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions, you know just how frustrating it can be to try to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of mounts and adapters. This fall, I'm going to be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with the 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com, and share your hunt with Tacticam. I was under the assumption that basically everything just shut down in the water. Like there were no bugs Mm -hmm. or anything like that during the winter. Um, So here's the extent of my fly fishing. When I'm by myself, Uh, I take a pink squirrel and I tie it on and I (laughs) keep that pink squirrel on there until I get it snagged on something and lose it. And then I tie another one on and I throw another pink squirrel. So is that, (laughs) is that going to catch me anything during the winter?
0: You, you can probably move a fish with a pink squirrel in the winter. Absolutely. Okay. All,
1: right. all right. Absolutely. That's um, like my go-to you know, that, man. I don't want to switch back and forth. I'm not that good. At, <laughs>
0: I'm not that good at any of this. need to do it all. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, I mean, for, as far as winter patterns are concerned, um, you know, a, a really, really great rig. Um, I mentioned scuds earlier, the little freshwater shrimp. They're available year round to fish um, as well as a uh, little Cell bugs um, they look kind of similar but they're just sort of you know scuds can be anywhere from kind of a whitish gray kind of color um, to even having some kind of pink and orange hues in them um, basically what happens in there is uh, the their guts for lack of a better term um, especially when they're going to die uh, they have kind of a their exoskeletons got a little bit of translucence to it and so you can sort of see through them to an extent where you can see this kind of a pink or sometimes it's kind of, kind of on like the sort of salmon-y spectrum sort of, sometimes it's pink, other times it's kind of orange. Um, It sort of depends like that, but um, deadly, if you're just trying to drag bottom and um, I guess I'll speak to uh, what fish are doing when they are active. Again, they're still going to be sitting, you know, not necessarily directly in, you know, the main current or anything like that. Cause typically there's just, even when there is a hatch, it's oftentimes not quite enough to, you know, really warrant the, the calories expended versus the calories consumed. Just the the ratio doesn't balance out, um, as well as it needs to, for them to want to, you know, blow through that much energy. Um, and so a lot of times they'll be sitting kind of below riffles, um, at the tail ends or, you know, middles of pools, um, slow glides and stuff like that. And I mentioned earlier, they, they kind of pot up. So in the summer and the spring and, uh, fall, a lot of times we can hop in a Creek and we can pick fish out of, you know, the entire Creek with winter fishing. For the most part, they're all congregated, in these groups, which is the winter is pretty much the only time that they really do that. Um, but you can, you know, essentially rule of thumb is once you catch one fish, keep fishing that spot until you can't catch anything else, because odds are that fish was with several other fish. And if there's a hatch going on, um, or you could move that fish, you can probably move another, um, you know, they, they still do have to eat. They're just not as, voracious of feeders as they are, you know, in the spring when the water temps are in the high forties low fifties and, you know, hatches are just exploding on the surface and all that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, focus on that slower water, um, where, you know, the fish can sit and have cover, you know, casting near cover so that it's an easy opportunity for them to just kind of, you know, lean out and grab something and then work their way back in. Um, And also I should really, you know, outside of hatches, um, kind of hitting on the, uh, you know, the calories consumed versus calories burned trout will chase down some larger meals this time of year. And so now is a great time to throw leeches along the bottom because leeches are again, readily available, um, year round. Uh, you can, you know, granted leeches are you know cold-blooded as well so they're not going to be squirming like crazy and and doing a whole lot however you know if you were to dead drift one of those through a pool um under an indicator or you could even if you didn't want to do that just give it real subtle soft little twitches um you know kind of take the fish's temperature see what they're really keen in on um and play around with it that way but uh they will absolutely eat leeches um and i've also had some of my best streamer fishing days um you know throwing bait fish patterns and stuff uh in in the winter um you know when it's pretty darn cold and overcast um you know like like anything you know you're the the trout are going to be um you know they're uh, light conditions i guess are are going to come into play so if you've got you know, a super super bright sunny day, um, fish are going to be pretty spooky because they essentially have a spotlight on them in that clear shallow water. Um, they are going to be running for cover anytime they see anything they don't like. So
1: yeah, I imagine the snow. I imagine the snow around you makes it really tough too to like yes. sneak up on fish because you're not you're not hiding. Like right. if you've got a blue, if you're against a blue sky or a green bank like you can kind of maybe wear some clothing that will conceal you. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing, um, in the winter time, it's, uh, all bets are off.
0: It's pretty tough. Yeah. Especially yeah. when you're in, you know, those pastures and stuff where there's, I mean, there's not even a tree nearby for you to kind of conceal yourself with. Um, you know, that's uh, absolutely right there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's tough going, but, um, yeah. So, you an overcast day is a great time to throw streamers just because the fish feel a little bit more confident. You know, they're comfortable that they don't have the spotlight shining on top of them. And so a lot of times you can move uh, fish, you know, throwing bait fish patterns through there. Um, I've heard from a number of folks say that, you know, they like brighter colored streamers like in, you know, whites and whatnot. Um, in the winter I've had luck on, I've, I've had a lights out day fishing a little white and blue clouser minnow, um, in January, two years ago with, uh, one of my friends, Wyatt Reeves from black earth angling, um, who was a hell of an angler. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so he, he and I had a, a great day <clears throat> streamer fishing, um, on a Creek, uh, in, in January. And, uh but you know you can move them with bigger stuff too i know folks who will throw big articulated stuff uh in the winter just because it's it's a huge meal or at least it looks like a huge meal for a big fish which obviously has a higher caloric uh need just to survive but um you know it's it's kind of if you if you want to Consistently catch fish, I should say. You know, sticking to your your nymph rigs with scuds and midges, or you know, if you want to throw a pink squirrel on there, go for it. Um,
1: <laughs> hey, you don't have to make fun of me about it, man.
0: Oh, I'm not making fun of <laughs> you. I'm just saying if you want to.
1: <laughs> so, um, is there ever any like, do you do you ever try to find spots? Like, I, I'm just thinking about the water temperature from some of these springs that's coming up, mm-hmm. or you know, water temperature potentially from other creeks that. Maybe they're not because one of the things that really interests me about the way that the driftless lays out is there are some spots in there where you've got like, okay, this is a trout stream. And then there's this other one that's like a little offshoot. There's not a single trout in there because it's just not suitable. A lot of that's because of water temperature, right? So do you ever have some of those spots that are like creating warmer pockets during the winter that can be really good?
0: Yeah. So it kind of depends. A lot of times, honestly, where the, where those springs do kind of pump in um, that provides a, a stable water temperature year round, uh, even in those, and not necessarily the, I guess what I'm picturing based off of what you said is, you know, sometimes you kind of have like, there's like a trough basically. And you know, it, it's, it's got water pumping through it, but there's not exactly, uh, you know, like you said, suitable habitat form or anything like that. Yep. Um, so, so you need to go a little bit larger than stuff like that, but, um, basically the water coming out of those creeks is roughly 52 degrees, um, at all times coming out of the water table under the ground. And so, um, in the summer it's great because when the water temps are super hot in the bigger water, then, you know, the fish can move up near those or near the mouth of those and they'll have a little bit cooler temps. Um, same thing kind of applies in the summer or I'm sorry, in the winter, uh, they'll, they'll be up near those feeder creeks. Um, it was <laughs> one day I was out last season, uh, in January and I saw in <clears throat> was a trip off of a pretty well-known, uh, creek that I was just walking around on and I hadn't checked out the, uh, the little trib that kind of feeds into it. Um, ever before and so I was hiking that and as I popped my head up over the the bank I looked in about 20 feet up into this feeder creek from kind of the main bend pool channel that it was on uh, I witnessed a very very large trout that was just sitting in there kind of sunning himself Um, witnessed him whip around and bolt out of that little feeder Creek that was probably, you know, maybe mid shin deep um, and then put a pressure wake through the main channel of that, uh, you know, the, the main river there uh, that looked like there was a freaking beaver cruising through there man i mean he was on a mission so Uh, you will absolutely find fish uh hanging out in those you know that more stable water temperature there uh otherwise you know you're going to be looking more for the kind of the deeper uh pools and runs stuff Uh, like that the water temperature just be a little bit more stable and it'll be a little bit easier for them to stay protected um in in those areas yeah Yeah. easier for them to pot up in there
1: so my next question then All right, so you're kind of convincing me, right? Like it might be a worthwhile Mm -hmm. thing to do uh, to go fishing during the winter for trout. How do you, what's the most eloquent way to say this? How do you mitigate some of the suck of being in water in the winter with cold hands? And I'm going to guess from time to time your your gear doesn't behave right because it's also getting wet and it's also starting to freeze. So like how do you deal (laughs) with not only like your body itself freezing but your gear.
0: Yeah, so frozen rod guides are kind of inevitable. Um, you know, be Okay, there's so no way around that. Fishing, got it. Yeah. <laughs> if if you are uh fishing graphite rods, especially lighter rods, um you know, maybe if you've got a a quiver maybe don't bring your best rod out there because that higher quality graphite, especially in the lighter, um, you know, the, the lighter rod weights, uh, that, that graphite does get pretty darn brittle. Um, I remember when I, uh, got one of my favorite rods and I had it for a grand total of, I think four days and, uh, promptly snapped the tip. Off of it. Uh, oh it was actually goodness. the same day that I was fishing with with Wyatt. Um, yeah, that that was a that was a tough time, man. I think I broke two rod tips in three days or something like that. It was just brutal. <laughs> so maybe you know if you've got a, a fiberglass rod, maybe bring that out. Um, otherwise, you know, just be really, really, really careful with the uh, you know with your rod tips and all that because that line will not only freeze to your rod tips and your rod guide and everything, but again well again the the guides will um you know they'll pretty much gum up with ice and so then you got to be very careful knocking that ice out especially on the rod tip which is you know obviously the thinnest most brittle section and most fragile uh so be very very careful um doing that you can either hold your hand on it um i've you know, stuck the rod tip in my mouth to melt the ice. <laughs> you, know, you can <laughs> the you do whatever do. you want. To what was
1: that? I said, yeah, you just got to do whatever you want. I guess do whatever you exactly.
0: have to. Just yeah. be careful. That's yeah. that's the main thing. Just be but, careful doing it. Yeah. So protect your rod. Be very careful of uh, you know just breakages and all that stuff. Um,
1: what about yourself? Because it sucks for you too. Like I imagine your hands are not doing okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So if you've got a jacket or, uh, you know, something that's got pockets or if you can, you know, you, maybe you've got like a little clip on or, you know, like a, one of those hand muffs or anything like that, that you can throw some, uh, hand warmers into, to make a little oven in there. Um, highly recommend that. Also a little like a dish rag to dry your hands off is mm. a game changer. Cause yeah. it, it's not nearly as cold when your hands are dry, but as soon as you have to touch one of those fish or do whatever, um, one of the things that I started doing because obviously if you're going to handle fish um, in the winter, I should note, especially when it's cold, do your absolute best to keep those fish wet. Do not pick them up out of the water um, into that cold air because that, I mean, it takes seconds for their gills to freeze. um, And that's, pretty darn damaging to those trout so we especially you know bigger fish and whatnot um, we we want to be really really careful and handle our, all of our trout you know in general rule of thumb handle your trout with care but especially in the winter and that goes for all fish um, you know regardless of if they're, they're trout or if you're going through the ice or uh, whatever's going on but you know just handle them with care um, minimize their time exposed to that cold air um, but I guess when when handling them you want to get your hands wet just because dry hands we've got oils on our skin that'll actually kind of remove the the film that helps them remain waterproof as well um it'll kind of basically almost burn them um with our with those oils and so we want to make sure that you know the fish swim away unharmed um with you know the exception of a little hole in their lip maybe, but, uh, which is another thing. Hey, fish barbless, um, or at least crimp your barbs down if you are fishing. But dude, you you um, missed
1: it a couple of weeks ago. I was, I had the guy on, we were talking about, uh, about ice fishing and we talked about getting, you know, being able to get hooks out and that kind of thing for, for mm-hmm. ice fishing. I said, or if you don't want to catch fish, you could fish with barbless hooks. So, <laughs> just, just straight hating on my, uh, fly fishing brothers, but not uh, true. I, not know. True at I know. I know. I <laughs> know. But it's fun. It's so fun. But anyway, so dude, I all right. So it sucks. Keep your hands
0: dry. Keep them warm. Layer uh, up. Layer, um, okay. You know, lay, layering's crucial. Um, you know, if you are gonna wade, you're gonna want to wade through the shallowest section, and you're not gonna want to be standing in the creek at all. Um, yeah, winter time is, you know, it's fun getting out. Um, everybody's had a little bit of cabin fever or cabin cabin fever, um, all fall long and, you know, most of December. And so, you know, it's, it's easy to get excited and just want to run out there and have at it. Um, you know, winter brings a whole different set of challenges, um, as compared to, you know, the warmer months in the sense that, you know, hypothermia is a big concern um, so, you know, whether it be bringing a thermos of coffee to just to, you know, keep slugging that and, you know, keep the, the core temp up, um, layering is huge. Hand warmers are huge. Um, and just waiting safety really, really becomes paramount during this, during this season. A lot of guys, when there's snow on the ground, some folks will wear snowshoes and stuff. Cause it does kind of suck sometimes when there's like a foot and a half of snow and there's maybe a quarter inch of crust on top and you're just like you know, your foot kind of stays on top for just a split second and then punches straight through and all that. Um, it can make, make, you know, a hundred yard hike to, to a Creek or whatever, pretty darn miserable. Um, so some folks will bring snowshoes, great option. Um, however, you are doing that be really, really, really careful. Um, as you're going along the banks and stuff, uh, make sure you've got good footing, make sure that you're not in a spot where maybe the snow is kind of formed like a little cornice, um, over the bank where that snow might give out and collapse underneath you. Um, especially if you're around deeper water, you know, those snowshoes are great for keeping you on top of the snow and they're great for keeping you under the water. <laughs> oh man. Okay.
1: So <laughs> one, of, is- one of my questions is about the, the ice that you just talked about. Cause I've seen streams with like little ice shelves kind mm-hmm. of like coming out onto them. Yeah. How do fish relate to those? Like, does that, Act a lot of like, times they'll tuck up underneath them do they okay i was wondering if they yeah, acted really like it. cover or if it was just like yeah they're staying away from that
0: yeah no no they'll they'll tuck up underneath them again you want to uh you know just kind of be mindful of of where they are if you're in super fast water if it's at the head of a you know a little riffle or you know spill out or anything like that you're going to want to fish the the sections of that that are further down maybe slack water to the left or right of the main channel where those fish might be able to hang and conserve energy and just lean in, like I mentioned and grab food and lean back out. But, um, yeah, they'll, they'll absolutely relate to those, nice those nice shelves.
1: So how soon will you start? Uh, will you start getting out?
0: No, I'm going out on Saturday, man. Are you really? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Holy cow. How (laughs) quick will you start taking clients out?
0: Uh, I, if somebody really wants to go in the winter, we can go. Absolutely. Um, I won't say no. Uh, it, it, it's just, it gets tough, um, in the winter because it does, it, it's very weather dependent. Yeah. Um, you know, you're really, it, you know, we can book a month out from now or even a week out from now and have, you know, really, or I guess two weeks now we've got enough technology that we can kind of see what's going on 10 days out. But, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, things just change so fast in the Midwest winters and all that, you know, what, might look like a great day could very quickly go south. Um, so I, I advise folks to hold off on booking trips until March. Um, again, if you do want to go out in the, in the winter, we can absolutely do that. But, uh, March is frankly, a little more fun and we can fish a little bit longer. So <laughs> there
1: you go. And your trips are going to start you know, this time of year, like you said, 10 o'clock in the morning, yeah. that kind of thing. You're waiting yeah, for the water.
0: Absolutely. Half days only in the winter. Um, you know, you're, you're wasting your time on a, on an eight hour day. Um, until we start getting into our real hatch seasons and all that, uh, it's, it's just not worth it, but
1: sweet. So, uh, will you, uh, slip up and tell us here on the show exactly where you're going on Saturday?
0: No, well, I don't even know yet. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I was, I was fishing down in Iowa earlier this week and a spot that I Thought might be all right, just because it's got a couple of feeder creeks coming into it that you know will clean things out fairly well. And I mean, it was just chocolate milk, so
1: really didn't. I
0: gotta oh, nice. do some. Uh, I gotta do some more thinking on where exactly I want to go. It's been cold enough that I think we should be all right by by Saturday. So nice, it'll man. be good. Nice. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm oh, man, just glad when, to get back out there.
1: When you get out, <laughs> start sending me some pictures. I don't know about you. I am. I, I get excited when I start seeing trout pictures pop up and that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but I have to admit it's not because of the trout picture. It's because I'm thinking with trout comes Turkey season. Oh yeah. You know, like that's my first (laughs) thought is like, "Mm, okay. Yeah. With (laughs) trout comes Turkey season. So I'm pretty pumped about this. So, well, man, thanks. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on and telling us a little bit about winter trout fishing. As always, why don't you let folks know where they can find you if they want to sign up for one day in hell with Pierce and go winter <laughs> trout fishing.
0: Absolutely, man. Uh, good chance, is our website. Uh, otherwise if you're uh, on Instagram, uh, we're just at good um, I think I mentioned in our, our end of year recap. Uh, those of you listening from the Chicagoland area or uh, folks who want to go down to the chicagoland area Uh, i'll be doing a driftless fly tying class at dupage fly fishing company uh over in naperville um super easy drive to uh hang out with some very awesome and fishy folks so love to see you out there sweet thanks for coming on pierce you bet thanks for having me man
1: that's all for this week's episode as always thank you so much for tuning in if you dig this show be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts While you're at it, if you could leave me a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. You can also follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman or at howtohuntdeer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics, guests, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show. And if you're looking for more great outdoor content, check out thesportsmansempire.com, where you'll find my other podcast, the How to Hunt Deer podcast, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts. And until next time, make sure you make the time to get outside and enjoy the incredible natural resources that are ours as Wisconsin sportsmen.